Happy Tuesday evening, everybody. Uh, tonight, we have a wonderful guest, and it's one that people have been requesting for quite some time now. And th the information that our guest is going to be presenting is what everyone's been asking, especially with the condition of the California schools. And because they've been asking, we didn't want to kind of piece it together, you know, bit by bit. We went right for the, from right what I the consider, source. the legend. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the... Um, the, the person who knows so much about this in, in regards to homeschooling. And tonight, our, our guest is going to be Lee Bortons, who uh, she's coming to us in a moment from North Carolina. Uh, but I want to tell you a little bit about her. She uh, graduated from the University of Michigan. Both her and her husband were engineers. They took uh, engineering jobs for, I think, Boeing in Seattle. And uh, early in their marriage, 1983, when she was pregnant, 84, she decided, you know, I'm going to stay at home and homeschool. And back in 84, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to do that. And uh, so she, she put this together and started classical conversations. And I'm going to let her describe this because instead of teaching to the subject, they teach kids how to learn. And, and it's, it's a fascinating way to approach the education of, of, a, mm -hmm. of a young person. And my wife and I incorporated this in the education of our children. And I've read of her. I've heard of her. And, and to, to think she's here tonight, uh, I just want to tell everyone, if, if you have anyone who's considering homeschooling, uh, call them right now. Make sure that they're going to tune into this. They've got to watch this tonight. This is going to be an access point for anyone who is considering it, but just doesn't know how to do it. Tonight is the night you're going to get those answers. And in addition, uh, towards the end of the program, we're going to field some questions for Lee. And if you have questions, you just, you just put them in the, the, you just type them in uh, on the live, live stream, and we'll post the questions to Lee. And you're going to have questions, because in California, we're looking at the, at the schools not opening, and if they do open, you're talking about social distancing and masks, traumatizing our kids, and here you get a chance to educate your children. I sat with a young man today, his name's RJ, homeschooled, uh, and he is the most articulate, passionate clear thinking, solid young man you could imagine. I felt like I was sitting across from a 25-year-old and he's mm -hmm. 13. Mm -hmm. And, t you know, conversations with everyone coming in as we were sitting down having a meal and watching his father just completely impressed with his, his abilities. So I, I have to tell you, good kids don't just happen because you send them away and you don't follow up. When you're invested in their education and you're a part of this, not only will you become highly educated with the, the content, especially that Lee's going to share tonight, but your children will be a remarkable gift for generations to come. Two things before I introduce our guest. One, uh, in, in scripture, uh, as a pastor, we talk about all these uh, defensive things that we possess, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the belt of truth. Uh, the feet shod with the gospel, and, and you, you, you go through each of these, but there is one offensive weapon, and it's called the sword of scripture, or the sword of truth. And, and this, the Bible says that the word of God is living and breathing and sharpening any two-edged sword, able to divide the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I always thought, that's, that's a one offensive weapon. Until I read the scriptures, and the passage where it says, uh, uh, children are a blessing from the Lord, and blessed is a man whose quiver is full. And quiver holds, what, five, six arrows? I don't know. But it holds arrows. Arrows are an offensive weapon. As I contemplated that, God gave me this picture that arrows are the children that you, that the straighter they are, 
Mm -hmm. the, the further you can shoot them into a future to affect that future that you'll never know, but they'll be able to bring those truths into that next generation. And I think Christendom is woefully ill-equipped to prepare the next generation for hope. Mm -hmm. Because we're just looking at, at absolute misery and, and everyone's talking about, you know, apocalypse and all this other stuff. Give kids an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And our, our guest tonight is just is doing exactly that and has been doing it since 1984. And all of her wisdom, all of her insights, she's going to share with you tonight. We're going to field questions, but please welcome on our live stream, our fireside chat, Lee Bortons. Hello, <laughs> dear. Nice <laughs> to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, David and, Ro and Rob. Nice How to see you. How are you tonight? Good. Uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. And, and, and of course, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I said earlier I may look a little tired, but it's three hours later for you, so I have no excuses. So, but bless yeah. you and thank you for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. I took a nap before I got on, so there, I would be good. The, naps are biblical and very important, and I don't want to go through the scriptures on that right now. I want to yeah. talk about classical mm -hmm. conversations. Uh, earlier when we were talking, you started out, and, and, and as I'd shared with you, we have, we have a large contingency of people in California currently with these draconian measures from the governor. We have the, the, the teachers' unions demanding all of these things before they open. It almost seems as though no one cares about the students. And, and your organization has been doing this for quite some time. You've had great success but it's the way that you approach education that is so different and so effective. And I've witnessed it. And I've seen schools that apply classical conversations. I see the children, because we hosted it here a few years back in our own facility. And I see the quality of education these young people receive. Folks are gonna have questions, how to enter in. What's the difference in the education model? Lee, take it. Run with it. <laughs> Thanks so much. And be sure to ask me questions when I get off track here. So the one thing that's just really exciting to me that COVID has allowed for us, there really always are opportunities, right? What man sees isn't the same as what God sees. Right. And as distressing as so many of the features are of it, it has made it so that parents are actually listening because they're being forced to homeschool. And so, you know, before I was a, in like a niche market and it was really difficult to find people that were maybe like-minded and were curious about what we were doing. And now every parent is listening. And so I just really thank the Lord for this opportunity to talk about Christian education almost more than home education. Yeah. Right. That that's the, the hearts of our children and aiming them for the Lord using your arrow metaphor was really quite good. So the one thing I would I say to every parent is, and this is from my husband, every single parent homeschools, you're all responsible for your children. You will answer on the Bema seat for how you raised your children for Christ or not. And so what, what differentiates us from us who call ourselves homeschoolers from probably everybody else is that we try to intentionally be involved for as many years and in many ways as possible. Other very intentional, loving parents might have their kids in an institutional school system, and they're having to make up for a lot of damage being done in the evenings. Right. A lot of people who homeschool will say, you know, when they pull their kids out of public school or an institution will say, I was spending so much time on um, homework, and I just spend the same amount of time now, you know, with what studies we have as homeschoolers. 
And so we're all just making choices as parents as to how much responsibility for individual things we take versus handing out to other people. And so if you're an active parent who's already helping with homework, or if you're a parent who's starting to see what kind of assignments they're getting through Zoom, you know that it's pretty minimal what's being asked of your children. Yeah. And we really have a vision for um, heritage and legacy and raising children to grow in the admonition of the Lord. We prefer to talk about virtues rather than credits. We prefer to talk about um, the art of education instead of checking off, you know, a list of things that you supposedly have you know, has formed your school. That there's a lot more to education than most people think of. And the thing that's so amazing to me is every single mother and father who's paying attention to their toddler knows how to educate well. Right. Because your children would not learn to walk or talk if you weren't paying attention and helping them to do that. Yeah. And every parent teaches their kids to, you know, talking and walking are hard things to do. So what tends to happen is around four years old, parents start thinking somebody else has better words for their children than they do. <sighs> they don't realize that they could just keep talking and building the child's vocabulary, that you live with the child, you get you teach them to obey, you teach them the the liturgy of your life. You teach them your family's DNA. All that's happening when they're little children. And what we do as homeschoolers is we just don't stop. We just keep going. Yeah. The things that God naturally has for parents to do. Lee, let me, let me just say that when the Bible says that, that we are the stewards uh -huh. of our children's lives, you, I love that you pointed out that we have to give an accounting of that before the Lord. Yeah. We can't blame the teachers. We can't blame the scout leader. We can't blame the youth pastor. We are ultimately held accountable because we've been entrusted with these lives. And, and to be able to dismiss our children to um, an institutional education without following up and having hands-on and being involved, whether it be in the school board or in the classroom, it, it, it's, we're held accountable. And that, that really resonated with me because... Uh, I, I, I know no greater joy than to see my five children walking with God. You've got four sons. They walk with the Lord. And nobody knows your child better than you. Nobody. God, God entrusted them to you. So uh, thank you for outlining that. And, and just that simple step of starting in infancy and just continuing with the kids. So thank you. You're so welcome. It's like a lot of parents will get the idea that I'm going to help my child learn how to read. And they know what to do. They pull their four or five, six-year-old onto their lap, and they use their finger, and they outline some phonics with their finger, and they get this child to say, you know, at, right? That, that's how you learn to teach. That's how you learn to read. That's how parents and teachers teach phonics. Where the breakdown starts to occur is they don't make the connection because no one told them this in school and when they went through it, is that's what you're doing every single day throughout your child's development. So for instance, if in eighth or ninth grade, I want my child to read the US Constitution because I want them to be good citizens in this country. Amen. And I pick it up and I go, holy moly, this thing was written almost 300 years ago. I do not understand the language of it. It's a lot more difficult and there's big words in it, right? Yeah. So how do you and your child tackle reading that? Well, it's just like phonics. You pull the child next to you onto the couch because they're older now, and you and, and you go word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, 
and you just you sound it out, you look up the word, you think through what it might possibly mean until you actually start realizing I'm reading this. That's how you learn foreign languages. You start to memorize what some of the roots are and what some of the endings are instead of the phonics and the alphabet. And you go um, word by word until each word starts to you see it repetitively over and over again. And eventually you're building a vocabulary in a foreign language that you can read. Same with math. There's only so many concepts in math that you need to know. And all of algebra and arithmetic is a mixing up of them. And so one of the hardest things in math that makes people not like it is it's a foreign language. So when they see lots of brackets and set notation and algebraic notation, they just go, ah, I can't read that. Well, what do you have to do to overcome that? The same thing you did with your four and five-year-old with phonics. You have to go symbol by symbol, word by word, and learn what the um, vocabulary of that subject is. So we as classicalists call that the grammar of a subject. And I gave some academic examples, and hopefully, are my analogies making sense that you do this with a little kid mm -hmm. and yeah. an older child? Perfect. The process is the same? Mm -hmm. We're, yeah, tracking you. Okay, if, good. If, if, I can, so, if I can understand it, if I can understand it, <laughs> anyone watching can understand it. So yes, we're fine. Right, and so what's happened is we feel like there's 12 years of six courses of 100-page textbooks that we have to get our children through, and of course no one would want to do that, right? Let's pay professional teachers to do that because they're not really thinking about the natural way that God made it so that children will know his word, right? Yeah. We use the same, the same way you teach your children to love the Bible and to memorize his word is the same way you teach everything. There is no mystery to it. If I am reading the Bible with my child, I might start out with a um, children's Bible with lots of pictures. But eventually you progress to you're actually reading a adult full-blown full Bible. And maybe if you work a little bit harder, you can even read the King James Version. Because that will help set you up to read Shakespeare and to read the Constitution and to read the original source documents of all kinds of people across the globe. Right? So you go step by step. And I've never had a parent come to me and say, we read the Bible, we're done with that, we don't need to read it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they'll say that all the time about a biology course or a math class or a, literature, a book in literature. And C.S. Lewis said the sign of a, liter of a literate person was somebody who would read the same books over and over again. Right. So that same repetition that occurs with the littler guys with phonics or a new student with building vocabulary is what we're doing when we're reading the Bible. We read the verses over and over again till finally we can go through, you know, Paul's arguments in Corinthians and actually piece together the argument he's making. But you can't do that if you don't understand the words he used, correct? Right. Right. So that we call that stage, when you start to understand the arguments, the dialectic stage. So you can't be dialectic explore arguments if you don't know the vocabulary of the subject you're studying. And I'm giving academic examples. This is true for um, anything. If I wanted to learn welding tomorrow, I could just go hire somebody to teach me, but it'd be a little bit cheaper if I read some books first and maybe looked on Google first and built yeah. my vocabulary and then went and found a welding instructor who I could say to him, hey, I'm interested in learning these kind of welds with these kind of uh, machines. Can you help me? How much will it cost? And I'll know what I'm purchasing. I'll have right. a better idea. 
right? So a lot of us, before we go spend money as adults on something, we investigate it first. What we're doing is building our grammar. And then you have questions, because as soon as you know something, you want to know more about it. And what's interesting to me is, you know, the scriptures open up telling us that Adam knew Eve. We love the things we know. Good word. There's no such... Okay, you want to say something? No, I just... I, I, <laughs> I, I preached that passage forever, and just... I love what you just said there. It's so profound. Yeah. We love the yeah, things so, we know. So we, we know our children, so we love them. We know our husbands, so we love them, our spouses. But if you know math, you fall in love with it, right? If you know... Um, gardening you fall in love with it it doesn't matter what the interest is the more you know about something the more you start to enjoy it and what a lot of us are is not trained in how to be diligent and perseverant enough on tackling the basics the fundamentals so that we get to the point where all the wow occurs we just like don't study enough to get to that point so what my son likes to do in his dad um, book to homeschooling and the classical approach is he says Grammar is the fundamentals. When you're just drilling that basketball, the dialectic, when you're trying to understand the game and how it works, is called scrimmaging. The rhetoric, which is the third stage, is the game. Right. You go out there and you showboat it and you score and you have time of your life and you're entertaining the entire audience and having a really good time. So we call it grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. But let's just use some easier words. So I gave you that example of sport. From a kind of thinking perspective, what we say is you need to know what's going in. Use your senses to take in information. That's the grammar. Then you think about it. You process those ideas. So it's, it's almost an, it's you and the Lord and all that he's given to you. Kind of you turn it in your head. Yeah, And then the proof that the child knows a concept or that you're good at welding or you know how to fix a car is you go and you do it. That's the rhetoric. Share with me. Show me. Any questions before I go on? I, um, when, when you're going through the three aspects that you just outlined, uh, with, with children at a young age, and, and, and I, I don't know how, how it breaks down, but isn't the human brain, the child is far more uh, capable of memorization than an adult is. Uh, is. Is that, am I correct well, in that? Well, I think that that's a myth, but that's okay it's, if you want to think that way. Because the truth is little children enjoy the memorization a lot more than adults do. But if adults are motivated to learn something so they can keep their jobs, so they can build a boat, they can do it just as easily as children do. Well, and in fact, I, sometimes easier because you have so much experience. I, 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 I'm kind of bummed it's a myth because I, I was using it as an excuse. <laughs> so now I have to go learn Spanish. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. You just need to learn yeah, to know, enjoy you, it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know if you decided to go learn uh, to read Hebrew at our age in order yeah. to um, – studied scripture better. Yes, we would be just like a four-year-old struggling with phonics. Get me to a point where this isn't hard anymore, right? I got it. And the only way you do that is by working at it. So academics just takes work, and there's no easy answer to um, education. We are there to be sanctified as parents. Our children's education is secondary to all this. Can you... Can you the reason uh, that we... Have can, can, can you define for everybody? I know what it means, but when you said sanctified, what do you give them a breakdown of that word so everyone understands what you're alluding to? 
So I need to be made better and better in Christ's image, and my children are one of the tools that he uses to make it so that I reflect him better. Yeah, set apart for his glory. Yeah, so like when I hear parents say, well, my child's a social butterfly, they have to be at school, I say to them, maybe they should learn to be by themselves and be at peace. Yeah. Right. Like we're always trying to give into our children's nature instead of saying, wait, don't we have a fallen nature? Isn't Jesus when he said be perfect, our our actual um, goal. And so we should be looking at our children holistically. They're going to do the things they like to do. They don't need us that much. If they're bent on music or they're bent on literature or whatever it is, they're going to do it. It's going to be hard to stop them. What we need to be as adults, we need to look at them and say, that's great. But if you want to be a musician, you better be able to balance a checkbook and you better be able to market yourself. So the skills I'm going to make you learn whether you want to learn them or not. And again, I'm going to teach you how to do that through identifying what are the hard things? What's the grammar you don't know? What are the questions you have? All right, now demonstrate for me what you've learned and we'll just keep progressing throughout our lifetime. Now, you have parents out there that are listening to you they could be taking copious notes. Uh, they're, they're following everything you've said. But now comes time to homeschool the kids. And obviously, they're going to need this again. How does classical conversations equip? Uh, how do you, well, keep going where you're going. But that's an area that I know parents are going to be concerned about. Because if I'm brand new and I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, uh, I'm out. That's too much. I can't. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would probably say is that if somebody's listening, they're going, it sounds like to me you're doing building blocks from a young age and building on top of those. So I might be interested. I need to find out a little bit more. But how do they start? Like how many classical conversation chapters are there? Are they on all, in okay. all the states? Yeah, she'll, she'll get to all that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just so much to say, right? And, and so I appreciate you slowing me down there. So logistically, if you want to start with classical conversations, just go to our website and we have a community search. Um, You can put in your zip code and it will connect you with somebody who loves classical Christian education at home as much as I do. And you can meet with them personally and find out where communities are meeting. The website is? Oh, classicalconversations.com. Boom. We'll put it it up on the screen for everyone later, but classicalconversations.com. So what we do in classical conversations is we just meet one day a week, parents and children with a tutor who's trained by classical conversations to help parents who are um, interested in homeschooling classically do a better job at it. It's just like a one day a week PTA meeting where the parents get together and understand what is grammar, dialectic and rhetoric and how can I go home and keep working towards this model because it's really, really easy to revert back to what we know, which is we were, I was raised in public school. I was raised with a lot of worksheets and pre-digested information and no idea who the authors of anything was. And so those are some things that are different for us, but let me just give you a, uh, hopefully an easy demonstration of a difference between classical education and modern education. Good. Modern education tends to give you a piece of paper and say, do something with this. Classical education gives you a piece of paper with no information on it and says, fill this up. Hmm. I want to know what you know. Wow. 
right? And so that's the, that's the end goal is that our high school students are saying, stop giving me that regurgitated information and matching and bubbles. Let me write an essay for you. Let us have a book discussion. Let me go ahead and participate in a, date, a debate. Let me um, run for office. Let me run a campaign. Let me start a business, right? Don't give me more pieces of paper to fill blanks in. Right. Let me think and show you I know how to think. So that's, that's awesome. the goal. Love it. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed with my son, Michael, the youngest of my five, uh, that everything that he learned in relation to that, and then he went on to a private Christian school, which sadly was not as effective as his homeschooling years, especially with classical conversations. And he's, he's reverting back and applying what he learned in homeschooling in his workplace right now. And, and that's, it's critical. And, and when you say yeah. institutional learning, that's, that's even found in many just quote unquote Christian schools. That's right, because they're answering to an accreditation system rather than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The scriptures are written in such a way that that's how everything should be taught. Yeah. So let me explain what I mean, because people don't necessarily see that. So if you read the Old Testament, it's mostly poetry, lists, laws, stories, numbers. It's grammar. It's all this information in a format that somebody that's fairly young and new to the Bible can just take in and memorize. It says, hide God's word in his heart. Then something amazing happened. And Jesus Christ himself, the words that you were reading, the word made flesh came to this earth. And he asked questions and told parables. He was in conversation with the people that he was ministering to. Basically, he was saying, you know all that information you've been reading? I'm it. It's me. That is a hard thing. I'm going to ask you to eat my body and drink my blood. You're going to have a lot of questions about what in the world this relationship is. Speaking about so grammar. Speaking about communion, a lot of folks, you know, uh, <laughs> we have a mixed crowd. Yeah, Lee's re- referring to communion, not eat my body. Oh, sorry. Right. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's he's going to say some crazy things in some yeah. ways. And so to, in order to understand him, we have to know him. We have to love him. And he only the Holy Spirit can give us that kind of art. But if you think about it, he came as a word. He came as a baby with no words. Right. And these Horrible, you know, they said nothing good comes out of Nazareth. These horrible welfare parents were raising this son in the, you know, in poverty. And yet, by the time he was 12, he was asking questions that were so poignant. The adults in the room were saying, who raised you? Who are you? Where do these questions come from? And then by the time he was an adult and was ministering, the crowds hung on his every word. Yeah. So you can see the progress of grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric in knowing God's word, questioning and understanding who he is, and then the epistles show us how to live that out, the later the letters in the um, Bible. Right. And so that's what rhetoric is. So you know all this Bible knowledge, and you've met Jesus. What are you going to do with it? So no matter what we study, the grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric always occurs. Yeah. And classicalists try to notice that because when we're helping our children and they're struggling, we can say to them, all right, do you just not know the words and concepts? Did I miss that when I thought we went over it? 
Or do you have questions in your head that you're not sure how to articulate yet? And I need to just have more conversations with you and just have time with you. Or, now, or man, you're really anxious. You love this thing. You're just so excited to go work on it. What can I do to facilitate you enjoying this material that you've been studying? That that's our biggest role that we have is to replicate. What's the, what, what's the history of classical conversations? Uh, we're... Give me the background. How did you come about finding it? So in, 19, in 1997, my, uh, our eldest was going towards high school years. And like everybody else, I was a parent. We were wondering what in the world are we going to do with them in high school? Um, and so a lot of books were being written on classical education at that time. And um, my husband, who's a really wonderful man, the whole time I was homeschooling our older two, we didn't have our next two yet. He kept telling me I was doing it wrong, but keep doing it. And I was like, okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so then I started reading books by Doug Wilson and Susan Weisbauer, and I found some really old, old books on pedagogy, and I was reading things out loud to him, and he kept saying, that's what I kept telling you. And so through that process, I understood what he was expecting as a classical, for a classical education for our boys. And so he knew all along they would never get that anywhere in any school system. And so we continued homeschooling through high school. But the crux of the matter is if you're going to be rhetorical, if you're going to share, it really helps to have some peers to do it with. Now, you can do it with mom and dad and, the, and siblings. That's actually the natural body that God has put you know, to, to each of us. But it's also fun to read Shakespeare plays with your friends and to do debates with you know, colleagues and things like that. So my husband said, why don't you just have people into our house one day a week and we'll put together the rhetorical part of the curriculum and they'll do the dialectic and the uh, grammar at home. And so that's what we did. And so the first year in 97, we had 11 students. Three years later, I had a waiting list of 300 students. Oh, my gosh. So I started getting my girlfriends and saying, can I teach you what I'm learning? And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know at all what I was doing, but I trusted that the Lord would teach us because he doesn't give us things that not equip you. But that doesn't mean it's an easy equipping, right? You have to wrestle with it. So this year we have 120,000 students and about another 10,000 more in 43 countries across the globe. And we're raising up leaders in classical Christian education all around the world. So we have leaders in all of those other countries too, who are trying to replicate what we're doing in their country. I've, I've met some uh, amazing graduates of, of the system itself. Uh, I was, I had dinner last night with Pastor Samuel Duth, who he had classical conversation education. And, it, you know, I saw him at Liberty University and his interacting and his grasp of topics and his insights. And I'm looking at a guy thinking, wow, what, what college, what university did you go to? And he said, homeschooled. Yeah. Classical conversations. So, yeah, he that's rocked neat it. to hear. Thanks. Yeah, can you talk about? Uh, we had member Austin Jennings way yep. back at. Uh, he was part of the uh, speech and debate that I did. Can you talk about the debate element? Because in the public schools, they've shut down debate. They don't want you to debate. They shut down one side, which is a a shame because. You, you learn by knowing both sides to be able to debate it. So can you talk about that element? 
Sure, because, you know, it's dangerous to let children learn how to think instead of telling them what to think. And that tends to be what happens in institutions. Even good Christian schools don't really quite know how to teach them how to think. And the number one thing children want to do when they're in middle school is argue with you. And so let's take that natural habit that they have and show them how to do it well. And so debate is one of those ways that you can do that. You can set them up for what you're referring to. Um, You either have a thesis or you have some sort of policy or some sort of just point you want to argue. It can be simple and it can be really academic. But the point of doing it is to say to them, all right, you got to walk in somebody else's shoes too. Not just give me your opinion, but research why in the world would people believe what they believe. So we might take something as difficult as abortion um, with an older high school student and say to them, yes, it's wrong, but, you know, reasonable, loving people think we're wrong. Let's try to figure out why they think that. So maybe we can love them into the, our beliefs a little bit better and woo them over to our side and not just beat them up. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're always trying to share the children that um, to be ready for an answer for those who ask for our love of the Lord and debate helps them with that. Um, and we're also trying to prepare them to think the way other people think so that they don't, they don't have to be offensive. Look, the gospel is already an offense, right? But it tells us it's the, it's the goodness of God that woos men unto him. And so debate and argument help us to see both sides of questions and to not be so fooled by advertisement. And like I listened last night to Pastor Ken and you talking about um, just various things in the, uh, about the COVID. Yeah. People don't really know how to research the science. They don't understand statistics. They don't know how to evaluate the math, especially when you're only being given a couple of numbers on a very complicated situation. <laughs> right. They don't know how to go big for those other numbers. And so debate and speech help you to do that. Yeah. Uh, the the question that I had, or uh, actually, I was just gonna I was just gonna make an observation that uh-huh. as as a as a homeschooling parents, one of the things that was the highlight for me is that because my wife was the primary educator in the homeschooling, I helped, but she did the lion's share of it. And because I was a minister, I worked weekends. So if my kids were to go to public school or an institutional school, I would never see them or have any time with them because their weekend would be my work day. But when we started doing homeschooling, we would take a weekend on a Monday and a Tuesday and there would be nobody at the places that were packed on the weekends. And it was such a pleasant life. And in addition, what we came to realize, and you said this earlier, that the the amount of work that they would accomplish in a short period of time in one day would probably be the equivalent of what an institutional student would receive in the course of a week. And and you get the work done in a very short time frame and you're free to do a number of other things. At least that's what we experienced. Now you can go to deeper subjects, but you had time with the family. And that was I, I love my kids. I've spent time with them. I enjoy their company and likewise. And I love what you said. And that's what captivated me. You, you love the things, you know, I mean, I just bless yeah. me. Yeah. But that's, that's a highlight of homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, that's good. Yeah. Um, the one thing I used to tell people, I homeschool so we can get the cheap ski lift tickets or that we can get the, get the cheap hotel rates, oh, right? Because yeah. I travel. Yeah, Disneyland for us. You get the Southern California Pass, you go on a Monday, n- nobody's there. <laughs> See, there are right. benefits. Are the people that are contemplating, you know, there's some other side benefits. Can, so. can you can you share? You, you had said to me, uh, you guys have been praying for us and you knew we had legal issues that we were facing and fines and a court case coming up at the end of the month. But then you said something that just hit me uh, to keep homeschooling viable and, and, and contending for the right to homeschool uh, has, has been a legal battle for you all, especially in California. You got ADF working on your behalf, a number of other organizations. Can you share with the folks about that? thanks for letting me and these are things that people ask me you know can we pray for you and these are the kind of things I would encourage them to pray for um so for instance certain individual counties have said that um you'll lose your nonprofit status if you work with classical conversations if you're a church we've had, so we uh, lobbied with the state of Oklahoma and other organizations and Oklahoma passed a law where um, they provided clarity that if you are a church, you're allowed to work with for profits because otherwise, how are you going to buy stuff from Walmart and florists and yeah. funeral homes and musicians, right? But we personally were being attacked in churches over us being in their facilities. So that took about three years for us to start getting the um, laws changed on that. And we're still working on that. So people could contact their legislators and say, Hey, why would you persecute churches for um, having a curriculum they're purchasing to use their uh, facility? It didn't make sense to us. And we even had a um, hefty fine, almost a hundred thousand dollar fine in the state of uh, Washington because we were in a nonprofit in a church and they reviewed it, and our, the pastor of that church wrote a beautiful letter, and they gave us the money back. They said Jeez. they were wrong. And so that pastor stood up, like you're standing up, and he, he's helping all the pastors in that state do better and understanding that we respond to the Lord and his law first, and then do our best as ambassadors to, to work with the other, the state laws, right? We're in a wonderful country, and I'm glad that we're here. So that's one kind of thing. Then there's been the employment laws. I love being an entrepreneur. I love helping other women stay home and make money and be entrepreneurial so they can homeschool. So when we started this business, everybody was a contractor because we wanted them to work when they could, how they could, as many years as they could at the job that was best for them within CC structure. Thanks to Obama, he changed the hiring laws. And now, you know, in California, now that Obama's gone and Trump, his first day, executive order said those laws are gone. So California has instituted them. And so every single uh, mom that wants to p- teach the piano or teach math has to be an employee of somebody. They can't just be a contractor. Yeah. So it's made it very expensive to operate in your state. And so we're working with organizations to fight those laws there. They don't, They don't understand how much they're hurting poor people, people that want to be able to with their families and make a little bit of income, maybe for that vacation or um, for school supplies, you know, but be able to be with their children. They they don't. It's against law in your state now. They don't. You you, you think they care about that. (laughs) That's not. They don't care about the. They're concerned with who controls the minds of the kids. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And those are dollar signs to them with federal money. And they, yep. you are a threat in classical conversations and the homeschooling movement is a threat to this oligarchy that we have in California. So don't take it personal. It's, yeah. it's, they don't like anybody. It's okay. <laughs> so I have a, my, one of my um, friends who's helping to run California asked for us to stop praying that you'd fall off into the ocean. That there's really great, <laughs> wonderful Christians there. Yeah. Yeah, please, we need to please, support please. you. So yeah. this is why I wanted to be on your show, to support you. Yeah, please stop praying for that. We, we really, we're, we're fighting here. <laughs> yeah. we, we don't need imprecatory <laughs> prayers. Yeah. What, um, how about lately since COVID's hit, has the legal challenges changed? Have they let up a little bit because... The, People are having to do what they're doing. What's changed over the last four to six months as far as legal challenges? So COVID hasn't hurt or helped our battles in California. They're still there because there's so many people watchdogging it. But in the rest of the country, my sense is people are so confused and they're just trying to do their best to get through. If you're the local (laughs) school board or um, county sheriff and things like that, that it feels like it's been let up a little bit. And that, you know, because that's one of the things that I would like to encourage people to look into and classical conversations would fall into this is this whole idea of having micro schools where you have maybe a mom on the street says, I'll take all five families in, right? You could do that with COVID or without, but the problem is that's against the law because you're not complying to fire codes, right? And to compulsory laws in the state on education. And so if we could get rid of the bureaucratic structures the free market could actually take over and provide educational opportunities for every income level. And that's something I really enjoyed talking about is how there are people stepping up now um, to put together these little micro schools to help inner city kids, kids who don't have, whose parents are working or single parents. The church could have been doing this all along, but it's been illegal in most States. Yeah. And COVID is changing that. I think a little. Good. Yeah. One of the um, things that you brought up earlier, and I've heard some opinions from homeschoolers, is about school vouchers. Can you just touch on that just a little bit? So we have a saying. It's called, with the shekels come the shackles. Yep, there it Say is. Say it again. Yeah. With the shekels come the shackles. No matter how good that government program sounds, if it's a government program, That means they're using somebody else's money to give it to you, and that requires oversight, and oversight is shackles. So a lot of the voucher programs start out really open and friendly, and then they start to see that people are disgruntled, and the laws and the rules begin to be attached to it. So our experience in working with vouchers, we've been doing it for 10 years now. They actually have existed in various states is the parents start to reject them once they're told you can't hand in papers about Jesus, or they start to see that the money that they're being given is being used inappropriately. It's not, not for education. So I, I don't want to go on and on about yeah. that, but to just really watch with the shekels come the shackles. That's awesome. I don't care how yeah. good the program sounds. Yeah. yeah. And whenever government makes an expenditure, it's a third party purchase. So they're spending somebody else's money to buy something for somebody else. So yeah. they don't care about quality. What they want in every government spend is control. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's just leave us alone. Yeah. You know, just leave us alone. We'll right. educate yeah. the kids. Yeah. We don't need the national. So 
Go ahead. See, something a lot of people don't know that are new to homeschooling is homeschooling parents have always paid three times for their children's education. Mm-hmm. We pay, us mamas pay by not having a salary, a full-time salary. A lot of, a lot of homeschool moms work part-time. We pay our taxes for services we don't get, and we pay for our children's own resources and the books that we buy. Because here's the thing, not a penny of that's mine. All of it's the Lord's, and he has a lot more than any school system has. Yeah. And so he's our providence, and he's the one that will make sure that we're all taken care of. Because if we seek first the kingdom of God, the rest is added. It's yeah. super simple mathematics, but we and, make it complicated. And, and he restores the years of locusts have eaten. And if, you know, if somebody takes it, he has a way of multiplying it. And when I look at my children, I just think that that's the greatest investment of my life. Why, why, why would I spend money on anything else but this? And, and I know parents feel the same way, but here you get to give them the, the finest education and not just your, your treasure, which is your finances, but your time and your talents, your ability to, to impart to them the things they admire in you. And, and you get to know them. And, and I, I just think it's the, the greatest investment. We need to help parents be valued again. I was standing in line to vote four four or five years ago, and it was a long line, and this man in front of me was telling his buddies, he was so excited because he was investing in this young golfer, and he was talking about the money he was spending on this kid and the programs he was in and the results he was having. So they got tired of talking to each other, and they turned to me, and they said, what do you do? And I looked at him and said, oh, I'm investing in four young men the way that you're investing in that golfer. Wow, mm-hmm. that's solid. Right. I love it. Now, if you see David looking at his phone, he's not being rude. He's yeah, seeing that I'm there's questions. At, I, well, one question I'd asked you, and I've seen it a little bit in here, is a lot of people are doing it via online. Can you compare and contrast online versus classical conversations? Sure. So um, to me, online might be appropriate education for adults, but children always need a pat in the back. Yep. A smile, a hug, tears wiped. We're whole people. We're not just machines that can take in information from a machine day after day. <clears throat> we need community. Amen. We are the body. And so online education, it might be a short-term thing for COVID. It might be a way that you shore up an area you're weak. It might be something that you're doing with your um, Challenge 4 student with our program in Challenge 3 and 4. That's our 11th and 12th grade. We actually get credits, college credit, for the work the student are doing. You can get up to 60 credits with classical conversations towards your AA. And then um, here's a new product that we're offering that's online. Universities have been so impressed with our parents and the 12 and more years they put into homeschooling that this fall, for the first time, we're offering a master's in classical studies through classical conversations. And if you do our curriculum rigorously as an adult with your children that are in high school, you'll get your master's by homeschooling with us. That's rocking. And you can do yeah. that in three to five years. And so that parent, you said you know, the, um, the, the time can get redeemed. So that parent who's given up all that income can graduate with her youngest one and go on and teach at a university or be accredited at a you know private school, that they're doing the work at the same time their children are. And so 
um, universities think it's valuable. And so SCAES, the Southern uh, Convention for Accreditation, has said, yep, you guys are college level. And so yeah. let's give the um, same work to the parents too and get the masters. <laughs> Another question, and I think you know more about this, is uh, please ask her about critical theory and how is it addressed in our, in our basically our current culture. Critical race theory? It just says critical yeah. theory, well, but it's probably critical, critical race. So. Theory, yeah, there, it, there's critical theory in every subject that there yeah. is. And basically, here's my like brief, smarmy take on it. I apologize in advance. You don't have to apologize. But Go for it. <laughs> if PhD research always has to be fresh and new, it's going to start going into crazy ideas. Hmm. And so that's what they've been doing for the last 30 years. Um, instead of as classicalists, we're fundamentalists with a lot of memoria. We, we prefer to look backwards and see what's the best of thoughts and conversations and then introduce those ideas to new books that are written or new mathematics that are solved rather than looking at it and just tearing it apart. <clears throat> I, That's I, not helping for anybody. <clears throat> I loved a, uh, a picture someone gave me once that with a classical education, classical conversations and, and learning works of antiquity and, and gaining from, from that which has been proven. And, and when you have that, as opposed to, it's like sitting on a train and my back is facing the direction the train's going and I have the classical Christian education and you're the critical theory, the new stuff, and you're, you're facing me, but facing the direction the tr train's traveling and when you look out the window, everything's passing by. But when I look back, I see the expanse. And yes. I have time to take it all in. And that's, you know, it, it's, instead of insanity, it's just absolute beauty. And that's kind of what, that, that's how I've always seen it. That's really great. I'm going to use that, okay? <laughs> all yours. <laughs> Boom. Uh, did you, you were going to? Oh, um. I'm, a, I'm paraphrasing some of these because my eyes in my old age is hard to see this font. But is, have you had any uh, campuses that, you know, some of the facilities uh, been negatively affected by the ability to teach? In other words, has anybody been shut down and you've had to regroup and meet someplace else? Oh, yeah, a, a lot. And that's how dedicated our parents oh, are. Okay. That we're back to if the same, if not more, communities in the last year. And some of them are meeting where they're not supposed to be meeting because some states are stricter than other states. I had a, the, three weeks ago um, a gal who was, they were meeting in a park because they weren't supposed to be inside buildings in the state they were in. And the police came and, and chased them away. No one got arrested. They left. But Jeez. she texted me and said, this was so sad. We were just playing with our kids outside and doing the, you know, the classical curriculum. And so I sent them a video just trying to encourage them to keep looking for more parks and more trees and, you know, don't give <laughs> up. Don't give up. So th this question will help tie in to the next, well, uh, there's an answer for this as well. But this, this question says, are there any classical uh, conversation campuses that are meeting currently in our local area? 
here. Yeah, and so you go to classicalconversations.com, <clears throat> and um, we have a community search, and put in your zip code, and you'll be connected with a local leader who will help you get connected. But you, you said earlier that you were looking for a facility, as I recall. <laughs> yes, if anybody, thank you, if anybody <laughs> has some church facilities, because of being shut down, we would be thrilled to hear from pastors. We do. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we do. You can have ours. <laughs> Great. I have a goal. I mean, I would almost like to put a movement together to say 5,000 churches. Could we come up with 5,000 churches that say Christian education, parent-led, is going to be our commitment um, for our for our facility? Yeah, we're, we're so. in. We're, we're happy to join you. That's, that's awesome. Well, I, you know, like in New England where they, they don't have churches, they meet in bingo halls and strip malls. They meet in parents' houses. I mean, houses. They meet just wherever they can meet. And the mm-hmm. sad part is... At, at you know at, at the foundation of this country on the eastern seaboard, all those churches were where you went for your education, and now they're they're just old churches. Pe- that, yeah, one or two people. The rem- pizza parlors is what they've become. They've yeah. changed them into businesses. Well, or, yeah, and and the last three people remaining will do a church bazaar or bingo to keep the the place going, but they're they're just they're, there's no spirit left, and and the word has been removed, and and these were instrumental churches for the formation of our founders that were educated on the word of God. I mean, you, you, you think of uh, Abigail Adams and the way she educated her children. I mean, you know, John Quincy Adams was, I think, what is he, 13 years old when he was the ambassador to Russia, uh, to Catherine the Great. I mean, this is, this is pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and, and they all spoke Latin and Greek. And, and, and you look at, you know, what it required back then to, to pass these. You look at the New England primer uh, which most kids learn from, you see what, you know, Dr. Benjamin Rush put together and you think, what happened to that kind of an education? And it's, it's time, it's time to revisit and bring it back. And we're grateful for what you're doing and we want to be a part of it in any way, shape or form. Thank you so much. And what you said also about New England, I want to give a plug for that because we have tens of thousands of families in the New England area and they are praying for revival of those churches. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, if you wouldn't mind, please let everyone know. Uh, we'll put the uh, let, let's let's put the uh, website up there if you would. Uh, classicalconversations.com. They're going to put it up on the screen so everyone can see it. There we go. But put it up there. Classical There we go. Yeah. Classicalconversations.com. Classicalconversations.com. Everything you need, you'll find there. And and uh, let's bring Lee back because I wanted to ask her this. Lee, um, what's your greatest need? How can the, the Fireside Chat, God Speak Fireside Chat, live stream audience, the folks that tune into this, how can we bless you? Pray, and you're already doing it. Pray for pastors to see ways that they can show their congregations that the body of Christ is stronger than anything that's going to ever happen in our government. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot more going to happen, worse than what we're seeing now. And for them just to be ready for such a time as this. Yeah. I, I was, my, my comment is good government happens with good people. And, and we've, we've, we've got to fashion these kids to step into that ecclesia, that public square and make a difference. So you're doing it. Thank you for your tireless efforts and what God's done in and through you. And the folks will, will be praying for you and for Classical Conversations. And they've got the website, classicalconversations.com. 
And if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you now, if I could. Sure. All right. Great. Lord, I thank you for Lee, and I, I thank you, God, for the way in which you've used her. And Lord, for Classical Conversations, as you have put together uh, through your faithful servants an opportunity that we can raise our children in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart thereof, that they would grow to honor you and know you. And so, Lord, as we see the way in which we come to, to not only have knowledge, but gain wisdom, Lord, I, I thank you for how this has been put together and the blessing it's been to not only this nation, but across the world. And so, Lord, I, I pray favor upon classical conversations and all homeschoolers and those who would be considering it, that this would be that step of faith. And as they step forward, as Lee did back in, what, 1984, Lord, you have great and mighty things they don't know of yet, and you're going to reveal that to them. But their children that you've entrusted, your children that you've entrusted to the parents as stewards, Lord, let them be faithful stewards and, and honor you. And so, God, please, take tonight and all that we've learned and, and more to come and bless folks and encourage them and give them the courage, not fear, Lord, to step forward and educate their children in a manner that would honor you and bless you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lee. And I know it's late there, so go get some rest and bless you. And uh, stay in touch. You need anything, you give me a call. I know they gave, gave you my contact information. So anyway, we can help. Okay, yeah. thanks. Okay. Have a good evening. You too. Thanks. Bless you. Night-night. Bye. Should I? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I, I was thinking that this facility, uh, I'd, I'd love to just see it filled with yeah. families. Yeah. Yeah, I like remember it at the, the old facility, it was amazing to see the families during the week. It was only one time a week, but it was nice to see them there. We're also going to have, in time, I, I know there's a number of others. There's, we have a member of our congregation that I want to have on the show. Now, uh, Lee has classical conversations, but th there's a member of our congregation who is very, very invested and, and knows a number of people throughout the homeschooling movement uh, to give access points for parents to really see where they can step yeah. in and start to be a part of all this. So yeah. we're going to do more and more of this. You have my word on it, but this is a start. Classicalconversations.com. Take a look at it. It's a beginning and we're going to have more. I promised you that. We're going to make it available. And hey, we don't see the schools opening to any way, shape or form that we really kind of want to be a part of. I look at my grandkids. I'm not interested right now in the mess that they have. And, and um, I, I'm just, I, I don't want them indoctrinated. I want them educated yeah. and, and yeah. how to learn, not yeah. told what to learn. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, this is so profound. It's, it's, it's the most important responsibility you'll be given as a parent that you are a steward of this child's life and you'll stand before God and you can't blame anyone else. You've been entrusted with the care of this child. Yeah. And I, when I stand before the Lord, I, it goes back and we'll close in a moment with numbers, but I just, that last thing my dad, throws of Alzheimer's, always showed you the left side of the wall with the family pictures. He oh, never showed I you his career. I remember that story. Yep. In the throws of Alzheimer's, he'd take you on a tour of the house. He'd never show you the right side of the wall where all of his trophies and yeah. accomplishments were. He always showed you the kids. Yeah. And, and, and that's, at, at the end of your life, your greatest treasure, first of all, is going to be the fact that Jesus is your Savior. But the greatest treasure is going to be the family that you have served and poured your life into 
and those arrows that you're going to shoot into a future that you'll never see. And those arrows will affect that future depending on how straight and true you have raised them to honor God. Yeah. And, and that, that's a critical calling in all of our lives. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, you know, the thing that's always been a blessing is all the incredible guests that we've had. And we've always allowed God to give us guests 30 minutes ahead of time. And they've been some of our best ones. But yeah. as the show's gained in some popularity and we have more people, there's more demand and people are are requesting us to get guests. And, and Kelly, and we've done a great job. So we, is there anybody you want to highlight over the next uh, that's coming that you're excited about or you want to leave it up to a surprise to everybody? Yeah, I'd, I'm going to leave it as a surprise because what I find is that when I highlight them and something changes, I, I, I kind of I, I like the mystery of what's coming yeah. next. But I, suffice it to say, we've got some amazing guests coming up. Yep. It's, it's, it, it's going to be rocking. I have to tell you the last thing. Last night's guest, uh, Dominic, you had Pastor Ken on there and then Dominic... Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I didn't know what to expect when Dominic came up here and that switch went on. And this, this young man, he, he was mesmerized. This is, he had never really been out of South Jersey. Yeah. With the exception of going up to Maine. And he had been living in a burned out building in Camden as a heroin addict dying of MRSA. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're looking at this. I, I looked at him, I thought, he's got to be an All-American football player. And then when I saw that picture of him, I, I finished that broadcast. I had to drive to Tustin to do the TBN uh, interview. And I was, I was lovingly haunted by Dominic's life. Yeah. And then when I saw Dominic, I was with Pastor Ken, and we were in the studios in Tustin. And, and you know, this is a high-end television production studio. I'd never mm -hmm. been there. I'd, and they send us in to do makeup. And it, I'm not, you do that every night, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> people can tell. And I'm like, you don't have enough makeup. But I, 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 was, I was looking at the place through the eyes of Dominic, just thinking to himself, you know, not too long ago, I was dying of MRSA yeah. in a burned out home in Camden, the most dangerous place in the, in the nation, um, uh, addicted to heroin with no hope. Yeah. Yep. That's... That's a miracle. I, we didn't plan that guest. Yeah, you know, and Dominic had shared his testimony when we were having dinner the night before. And it's like you light the match and he starts sharing and it's incredible. And yeah. that's what he did on the live stream. So yeah. if you were to run into him and ask him, you would, get, you would get a version of it. It's just as exciting and live as opposed to doing the, the live yeah. stream with him. Sweet yeah. fellow. Yeah. All right, well, tomorrow night will be a wonderful guest. I'm not telling you who it is, but I promise you'll be awesome. Well, I mean, we've correct. got some great yeah. guests in yep. store. Yep. So check it out tomorrow night. Uh, you want to try it tonight? No, I'm going to let you do it because uh, Ken Graves right. did it last night. Ken, Ken Graves. I want to hear you do the Ken Graves I can't person. do the Ken Graves, but here we go. Let's, let's bring up number six. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace mm. amen mm. 
I can't do Ken, but I can that sing. Was, baby. That was amazing. <laughs> it's that not even amazing. in tune, but that's the best yeah, you're going to get. No, that's like YouTube worthy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. Lee, thank you, dear. Look forward to having you in the future again. Good night, everybody.